You're listening to the most fraudulent F1 podcast with Dan, aka Engine Mode 11. I secretly moonlight as Helmut Marco at race weekends. And Blake, aka Break. Echo chambers of farts and idiots on Twitter after races. It's the Engine Breaking F1 podcast. First time, baby. Hit that button first time. And if you're on YouTube watching this live, it has been 15 minutes of absolute technical hell because I have absolutely no idea how to use a goddamn computer. Anyway, the intro is also wrong because Blake's not here. I'm actually joined uh, by a good friend of the show, uh, Dre. Dre, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well. Hey, everybody. I am Dre Harrison. You may know me from the Motorsport 101 podcast. And oh, my God, it's that guy that just got let go from WTF1. Yes, me. Um, hi, hey, guys. Hope you guys are doing all right. Um, shout out to all the people on YouTube that are listening along live and helping us through that. Um, we, we uh, I'll let you in on a little behind the curtain moment for a minute here. We had our name swapped at one point. There was random moments where my audio was working. Dan's audio wasn't working. There was echoes. There was only one person in the call um so we've we've literally tick boxed almost everything that could have possibly gone wrong to this point and we finally got it ironed out <laughs> like 15 minutes later but i would like to say obviously thanks for having me on as well dan much appreciated it's a big honor um i, I, I really do appreciate people wanting to have me uh on the show i also love that the first comment on youtube i get is matt gallagher's looking well and i was like no matt gallagher looks very different here <laughs> <laughs> Just, just to clarify, but um, no, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to be on, and thanks for having me, Dan. You're welcome, mate. You're welcome. New Year, same old shit show of the Engine Breaking podcast. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, if you are wondering, dear listener, uh, where's Blake? I shall tell you. He is very busy now. Uh, he got a job over Christmas. God damn it! Um, I'm very happy for him. I'm not bitter about this at all, but he's now gone to do some performance engineering for the Lamborghini LMDH team. Uh, so he's at the moment in Italy looking at squiggly lines on a computer, and he is then going to go off to uh, the Daytona event. Um, yeah, the Rolex. Yeah. 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 So obviously we had the discussion over Christmas and New Year, and uh, we were like, oh, let's... um." You know, we maybe we should uh, sunset the podcast or whatever. And uh, I decided, no, we're going to keep it going. So the podcast will remain with me as your regular host. Blake will pop in from time to time. Uh, people on chat are telling me now that Blake is currently st- uh, streaming Tarkov on Twitch. <laughs> which is not, it's not going to help the rumors that me and him have got divorced. Uh, but I promise oh. we're still good friends. So, um, so, so, who's, so who's looking after the kids, Dan? Uh, ask him for a friend. Uh, I get them at weekends, and then Blake gets them during the week. And uh, yeah, we we, uh, we 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 share, we co-parent because we're grown-ups. Um, my, my, my nice work, nice nice work, boys. Dad, we can still play happy family. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear, but yeah, no, it's it's all good. And uh, when he's available, he'll drop in now and again and i will have a rotating uh a bunch of guests in to assist me like you say uh dre you get the honors of the first episode of the year first first co-host i'm honored 
Um, Co-host number one. I like to think it can only go uphill from here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way this show started, like you say, 15 minutes of chaos. I mean, it can't go any fucking worse, can it? Let's be honest. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Like, just wait, just wait till I actually start talking about F1 for a little bit, and then we'll really start talking. But um, no, like, I, I'm I'm honoured to be able to fill it in Blake's shoes. I, I, I openly admit I'm nowhere near as technically gifted as him, but I may actually be able to match him in terms of one element and that is sassiness mm. so we'll have to wait and see how we go um on the other side of this pod but um no i'm honored to be able to fill in and um you know i got i got some work with blake a little bit during my time at wtf1 and and he's, he's fantastic at what he does he really is and i couldn't be happier for him that he's uh uh, going to be trucking it for Lamborghini. Very cool team. Very cool project over there um, for IMSA and um, and whatnot. But uh, like, if I can, if I can fill even half his shoes, I like to think I've done all right. So oh, he's not here. Um, Fuck him. <laughs> he's dead to me. <laughs> that's the divorce is going well. I see. Yeah, everybody's on good terms. Yeah, I said if you don't get me a ticket into Le Mans Twenty Four or get me paddock access, then you're fucking dead to me. Nice to see you've established boundaries early on in this divorce. So it's like, you know, not a single crumb of dignity unless you get some freebies out of it, which to be fair, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah, we're we're very open on this podcast that we know we we (laughs) proudly say that we are for sale for any price. We'll hawk, we'll hawk anything off, mate, even rich energy. As long as the check don't bounce, mate, I'm quite happy to, you know, drink a can of rich energy on here. So Richard's story... So that, that's to be fair. I, I love the fact that the first guest host you've brought in is the guy that was recently let go from a massive F1 YouTube channel. So I guess me being on a quote-unquote fraudulent F1 podcast actually makes perfect sense. It's, it's very on brand. <laughs> yeah. You fit in yeah, perfectly, it mate. It fits. <laughs> oh, deary me. Deary me. But you actually have some experience in the world of sort of journalism and content creation, right? A little bit. I mean, God, I want to say 11 years now it's been. I, I started in 2011, which feels like like a million moons ago. So a quick a quick catch up. Like, for those who don't know me, yeah, I'm, I'm Dre Harrison. I was a Formula One YouTube personality that started just creating content back in 2011. I got lucky. The first game was... I, I was one of these guys that used to love watching Call of Duty YouTubers. I got a HD PVR for a birthday present. Um, and I started, the first game I tested it out on was F1 2010, the Codemasters F1 game on the Xbox 360. And it just kind of stuck with me. It really did. And I was just using that to um, to just use that as a vessel to start talking about F1. And it's evolved and manifested into a, a podcast, a, a website. I've been writing about multiple different series um for the last decade or so now i was grinding away at things um you know like motorsport 101 was originally a university project it, I, I've, I've, I've joked about this story before it was my final year of being a broadcast journalism student and uh i, I often joke that uh, it was a 10 episode run that really got out of hand because uh, for those who do who are big fans of the show i know a couple of them are in the chat right now uh we're closing in on 500 episodes now I mean, it's going to be probably around end of february early march we're going to be at 500 which is insane um because over there we cover f1 moto gp um indycar and formula e and we, we started dabbling in sports cars now as well ironically we're giving it to the rolex next weekend 
Um, so you you may have heard of me from there. Yes, I was one of the rebooted team when WTF1 was bringing in a whole set of new hosts at the start of last year. I know a couple of people in the chat have been asking about that. Yes, I can I can clarify. I was let go um, at the end of at the end of December. Uh, unfortunately, um, they, things didn't quite work out um, financially, and uh, unfortunately. Uh, I was the, I was brought in to be the podcast guy, and um, that didn't quite work out. And yeah, it's unfortunate as it is, but I'm very glad I've got a lot of friends and a lot of support in the right places to uh, you know get you know, make 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 a home for myself in other places, do the rounds, and just see what's happening. So, um, yeah. like I said, genuinely honoured to be here. Um, I've just been grinding away at it, and um, I'm just glad that the right people notice every once in a while. So. You take that way you can get it. Yeah, WTF1 never approached me or Blake to do anything, so fuck them, in my opinion. <laughs> right? I I'll, feel like they were missing a trick. Yeah, they, they, I'll they, say they, it because you can't, mate. Don't worry. Fuck them. <laughs> I'm glad you could, I'm glad On you your could translate Dre PR speak for me so I don't have to say anything. I'm never that, getting that, back in the paddock, mate. I don't care. Beautiful. Talk your shit, King. Yeah. Uh, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm burning like, all them bridges, mate. <laughs> oh dearie me do what you gotta do I know anyway anyway uh, dear listeners I hope you had a wonderful festive period uh, it was pretty quiet right on the F1 front over the sort of Christmas period and then uh, all of a sudden all hell broke loose because uh, we got the very sudden and shock announcement that um, the Netflix darling of Drive to Survive Gunther Steiner is uh, mm. that's it job done he's out of Haas genuine a shock oh that was a genuine shock i really because the way i look at it by all accounts it's the steiner f1 team in orbit name and i don't know if you've read his book dan because i know you, you you put it all over the thumbnail surviving to I drive know. on discount <laughs> right where is it it's literally <laughs> it's here next to me i got given right. to it for christmas <laughs> he's, he's currently fumbling around yeah. for a chat for what so it's worth. My wife, my wife was like, "Oh, I bought you um, an F one book for Christmas." I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." She's like, "I'm not sure Ooh. if you'll like it." I was like, oh, "It's okay, no worries." Unwrapped it, and of course, it, <laughs> there was, it, is. it was the book. And then, what? Not two weeks later, he gets the sack. So, I don't know if I'm just like this poison chalice for for F one teams and things like that. Like whatever I'm associated with, just all of a sudden goes to shit. Um, so yeah, maybe so. Maybe, maybe they were guilty by affiliation. That was that one bookseller that took him over the edge. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I was going to say, like, it's you, you, the the book gave a lot of good insight into that because he talks about the fact that this what this like I said, it's, it's the Steiner F one team in all but name. He, it was his idea. He saw the embers of the US F one effort. He put together the business plan. He had contacts in NASCAR like Gene Hassab he could go to. He had to pitch it to him, pitch it to Bernie Eccleston, all of that, all that, you know, complicated process and put together a brand new team, got on the grid. Um, and he, it's it's been his team from day one. And like 10 years on, they've decided that enough is enough. And yeah, that was a genuine shock because he's, it's like Christian Horner. Like if, if we did, if it wasn't for the Red Bull sponsorship, it'd be the R that F1 team in all but name because it's Christian Horner's team. He's got very little to, you know, to, to answer for um, in terms of that setup. So 
the fact that they've had a a parting of the ways, and to be honest, I don't think it sounds mutual given what what Gunther's been saying to the press and media. He still did the Autosport International show this past weekend, and people thought, well, is he, he going to show up for this? He still did, and he was quite candid about things in in a classic Gunther fashion. Um, yeah, I, but, I really rate him for actually still turning up to that. Right, no, good on him for that. Other- because he, he, I don't think I don't think anybody would have blamed him if he had cancelled, given the the sudden news and the shock news. Given it was less than a week out, but no, he still showed up and he he, he did the thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I rate him and respect him for that. No, massively. I I, I did the same. I was like, wow, he still did it. I I was expecting him to to pull out um, yeah. on on that one. So the fact that he didn't was uh, I, I commend him for that, but. Yeah, like I said, genuine shock. I really didn't think that 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 was going to that was, that was going to happen, or they feel like moving on from Gunther's the right way to go about it. Because I don't know about you, Dan, but I look at the way Hassar as a team, and I I don't think moving on from Gunther's going to magically fix their problems. No, God, no, no, no. That was I was quite vocal about this on Twitter, and I think uh, reading some of the comments from uh, Gene. Jane, as I call him, and um, Jane, he's like, "Oh, we didn't, we didn't achieve enough with the resources that we had." I'm like, "Mate, you're using pit equipment still from like 2016 or 2017, whatever it was. It's like eight year old pit equipment. You've got facilities in Marinello. You've got facilities at Dallara where your chassis are being made, and you've got your the rest of your facilities over in um, I've forgotten where they are in the UK now." Banbury. Banbury, that's the one. Thank you. And working in an F1 team, like having your F1 team split up between three different sites is just wild. It, like the lack it, of communication and the breakdown and things like that. It's just, and he puts no money into the team, right? And it's just like, mate, if you want to taste the champagne, you've got to spend more than a lemonade budget. Well, yeah, that's, exa- that's exactly how I look at it. I mean, it's, to me having your team that badly fragmented does not help. I know they buy a lot of their bits off Ferrari off the shelf, I think as much as they can. They, I think this was the first season they spent up to the budget cap. Um, they, I know in previous years they hadn't done that. Um, that They outsource a lot of what they do. And I know that they've only got about 250 people working for them in this team. Because I remember when Mick Schumacher had his last race, he had that last helmet that had a star for every one of Hatter's employees. And I think it was 253. Now, I remember James Vowles, who you know, is competition for where Hass are at in F1 at the moment. I mean, Williams had a, had a great 2023. Like, they were direct competition the last couple of years. Williams have got 900 people working in Grove right now. Like that, that is just, and it's all in one place. Like that is a level of resource. Like Williams have got midfield to top team level resources. Yes, they've clearly not fully utilized them in recent times. I think that's clear given their performance. But Haas are like, <clears throat> pardon me. Like if you're Haas and if you're Gene Haas in, in particular, this is not the sport where you can afford to cut costs and save money and expect to succeed. You have to spend money to make money in this game. There is there is no getting around that. Like it's you you cannot sit there and and cheap your way out of this and still expect to finish in the midfield because has has been capable of doing that. They 
2018, they were they were the fifth best team in Formula One. Like they were a genuine midfield team, good driver lineup, good all round car. And we thought, well, how far can Haas go? And since then, they've they've been a bottom three team ever since. They've there's been no sign of them getting out of this hole. <clears throat> Pardon me. And again, and on top of that, like they've had to compromise on drivers because they had to get Nikita Mazepin in, and we all know how well that <laughs> went. It was an unmitigated disaster. You know, they've had to tank to a degree. You know, they've talked about not developing cars and then saving it for a big, you know, brand new car the following year. And it's just never it's never worked out in that sense. It's it's they've they've made these sorts of big gestures and big moves, but none of them have worked out. And they are now arguably the worst team in Formula One. And when you've got a lack of resources and you're not keen to spend money to fix the problem, I don't know how you can realistically expect anyone to, one, take you seriously, and two, compete against teams that are actively throwing more at it to try and get up the ladder. Because you look at the competition around them right now. Alfa Romeo, yes, we can laugh at them being called the Stake F1 team now. They've They've got Audi coming in two years and they're going to buy more and more of that team. And they're going to pour hundreds of millions into that project. Williams have got far more people power than they do. And I, and James Vowles was fantastic last season as team principal. He did a brilliant job. And I've known yeah. people at that Williams team and they gush about James Vowles. They yeah. love him in I'm that right camp. In. He's done a, he's, he's, he's done a, he's done a brilliant job um, over there. And, so that's the sort of team they're competing against. There are reasons to be optimistic about those other teams that they're competing against going forward. What is a genuine positive about Haas right now? Uh, I think the only thing that Haas can hold out hope and positivity for is that Andretti buy it. I think that's all they've got to look forward to. And by all accounts... I don't think Gene Salen. I don't, from what he's said to the media since the Gunther firing, I, 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 he wants to win with his name on the car. He wants to, he wants to try and win with what they've got. And I think he, I, I, from what the race reported about this, the impression I get is that Gunther was trying to push him to spend more money and Gene was not here for it. And, if that is true, then I think Gene needs to wake up and smell the coffee because he's yeah. not going to win this on a shoestring budget. Nope. Um, he's not going to get anywhere near that, given how much money is in Formula One these days. He's not going to win this on on the cheap by any stretch. Um, and if he's not prepared to write some checks, improve their facilities, hire more people and make those big steps, the best thing for all parties would be for him to sell. Yeah, and I think you touched on, I think the main issue and one of the biggest problems they've got is the lack of investment in facilities. So it's all good and well them coming out and saying, oh, we spent up to the budget cap last year. But if you are not investing any money in your facilities and you've still got stuff hanging around from 2016 which in any other industry things from 2016 would still probably be relatively new right but in f1 you need to continuously pour money into your facilities and you know i don't know if anyone knows this if anyone is listening and you know some details about what cfd system 
This is a really obscure question, but if you know mm-hmm. what's the CFD system that Haas is using, could you please inbox me? Because I would love to know the age <clears throat> of the equipment they're running on their, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, on their HPC or CFD environment. I would love mm. to know because one of my last projects before I left Red Bull was uh, a new high-performance computing environment for the CFD. And then um, all of a sudden, bang, they started winning championships again. And I'd be very interested to know the state of that with the Haas team and see how old that is. Um, but yeah, so, okay. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. It it, it doesn't fill you with confidence from, from what Gene's been saying. And in, in he even sounded quite petty on the way out when I, well, I read the press release when it came out and it was almost like he was trying to say that, oh, engineering is um, now at the heart of what we do because obviously they've announced that Komatsu is going to be taking over as new team principal. I know he's been around F1 for a couple of decades and now back to back from the, the BAR Honda days, like 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 similar similar to Val's. He's done 20 odd years in the paddock, so he knows what he's talking about. Um, and I've got no doubt that he, he won't be an issue, but Hass's issues are bigger than that um to me and i don't think it almost matters who your team principal is if you're not going to solve your infrastructure problems um and yeah i'd love to know how old their cfd software is and things like that are because like they're they're not going to be able to compete if they keep using hand-me-downs and and compromising on things like that they have to be prepared to lose money on this like if you the way i've always seen f1 is, is if you're not in the top four or five you're surviving you're not winning for obvious reasons and like they're not gonna they're not gonna last if they keep finishing ninth and tenth someone has to finish last in motorsport that's how it goes and that's normally when the teams don't survive in 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 that sense so i i actually saw the press release and they said oh engineering's now at the heart of what we do because now they've announced their new team principal and i'm like did you have a problem with with gunther steiner being a genuine star because look, I'm not the biggest DTS advocate out there, but I think you'd be a fool not to recognize that Gunther's been probably one of the biggest winners to come off that show since its inception with him mm. becoming a genuine cult hero in F1 with, I think he's the Gordon Ramsay of formula one at this point. He swears a <laughs> lot. He, he does, he does outlandish shit, but it comes from a, generally good place and i think a lot of people like him for that maybe has had a problem with with gunther being maybe a bit too much of a personality for his own good i, I don't yeah, maybe I, 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 you know i don't I, think I, I don't for one second think that gunther steiner is like the world's best team principal don't get me wrong i'm not saying this no. is all gene's fault but i think it's disingenuous for gene to go in the media and be like oh we're going to start winning or we'll not start winning but we're going to start doing a lot better because gunther's gone now and i'm just like no mate it's it's like when I suppose a similarity to like football, right? When your team is down mm. in the relegation zone, you're like, oh, we'll just change the manager. That will fix everything. Nine times out of ten, it doesn't. They still go down. As a Manchester United fan, I have no Sorry, relation mate. to what's being said here whatsoever. <laughs> but no, I, I completely agree. That's that's exactly like, like it's the, it's a, it's a similar principle in 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 football. In that, yes, sometimes the issues of a club are own, are something that the that 
a manager cannot fix immediately. Um, and like as a as a United fan, I'll tell you for free. If you listen to any reasonable United fan, they will tell you it's the ownership and has been for the best part of two decades now. But you can't do anything about that. So you you get frustrated as a fan watching the the loop of managers go by from David Moyes to to Louis Van Gaal to you know to as we are now with Eric Ten Hag and he might be out the door um, at the end of the season the way the way that's going for you football fans out there but it's it's the same issue like I'm not saying that Gunther was God's gift to management and I know a lot of people will look at that sort of a joke Gordon Ramsay-esque vibe of being the angry sweary cult of personality yeah. um, he was like Gordon like it's a bad thing he was like Gordon Ramsay mate but he was not cooking nothing <laughs> No, nothing was Who being cooked cook? in Banbury, and, mate. And look, look how many people didn't like the Mick Schumacher dumping, for example. Like Gunther's not always been super popular. I mean, I was one of the people in that camp that felt like Mick should never have lost his job. And then, of course, season five of DTS comes out, and there's a whole episode dedicated to Mick Schumacher. Uh, so, of course, that was going to rub a lot of people up the wrong way. And he's had to answer. He's had to answer for that firing ever since. So I'm not saying that that Gunther is God's gift to management. However, <laughs> I can also look at the bigger picture and I could say Gunther can't fix having your team in three different locations. He can't fix a team that's lacking investment um, and he can't fix a team that's had underperforming drivers. Um, and there's only so much you can do about that. You need to change the infrastructure. And if your owner's not prepared to do that, then what are we doing here? really like it's you 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 cannot expect any form of success and giving it the big one um when you're trying to run an f1 team on a budget yeah well good luck to them in the uh 2024 season and beyond i think they're going to need it to be honest Mm. it's not a job that uh, i would like to take so but yeah speaking of uh team principles though Gunther's gone, but someone is here to stay for another three years. And uh, that's Mr. Toto Wolf. It was announced earlier today that he signed a three-year extension. And that seems pretty reasonable to me, right? I know Mercedes haven't really been at the sharp end. I suppose they have, right? They finished second last year, but they're not as dominant as they once were. You know, um, I can't think of any reason why they wouldn't renew Toto. I think in the age coming up to the stage where you got a new set of engine regulations and things like that, you want stability, you want a familiar face around. And yeah, I can't think of anyone better to do the job right other than Toto. So it all seems fairly reasonable to me. Is that fair to say? Yeah. It's like the meme format of a few years ago of Barack Obama putting the medal on himself. Because like, if for any for those who don't know... Mercedes owns a third of that team and Toto is their overall head of motorsport. And pardon me, sorry. Um, also, Toto himself owns a third. So it's his team. It really is his team in all but name. He 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 owns a third, he controls another third, and obviously Ineos has that final third. So no, I I I it's it's one of those, it's 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 like Christian Horner who's sacking him at Red Bull if it really if 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 shit really hit the fan, um, it, it, I think it's a similar level of clout that Toto has within Mercedes. And look, he's not had a good couple of years. So he'll be the first person to admit that this is a team 
that we measure in the context of major championships. And they won eight constructors in a row, and they've now been runners-up slash third third running for the last couple of years. Um, This is where they roughly were at when Toto took on the job in the first place. So, look, it's, it's... it depends on who you ask. Some will look at the last two years like an unmitigated disaster. Some will look at it as a rebuilding period. Um, depends on it might depend on whether you're the sort of person that has TMLH in their Twitter bio or not. I suspect, <laughs> but, but but I I, I don't think that um, there's any reason why Mercedes should be moving on from Toto Wolf anytime soon. He is one of the great team principles in f1 history there is no getting around that he brought unprecedented success or at least contributed towards unprecedented success in that mercedes camp and yeah they didn't get this set of regulations right i think that's now abundantly clear as joe in our chat reads one win in two years is is not what we expect from a team of this quality but I think it would be a good start to at least see out the end of this set of regulations till the end of 2026 um, and then see where Mercedes are at from there. I've got no doubt they'll they'll close the gap between now and then because that's how F1 tends to work. You know, the, it's a law of diminishing returns kind of sport. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if Merck's won a couple of Grand Prix this, this upcoming season. So, oh, really? Um, Is that we? Oh, okay. Here's going to be our first controversial point. I'm, I was on the Missed Apex podcast the other day and okay. I sort of half jokingly said this, but I actually I am going to stand by it that I think McLaren win a race before Mercedes. It, if if form plays out like twenty twenty three did, that's not a bad shout. I say that because you look at back at twenty twenty three. Did Mercedes ever look like the second best team in Formula One for long periods of time? They didn't. I think the first half of the year, Aston Martin took their lunch money via Fernando Alonso, <laughs> who was who was excellent, especially in the first half of the season. And then once McLaren got that big floor upgrade and had that big upgrade package on Lando Norris's car and a ticket to Silverstone, I'd argue McLaren were the second best team in Formula One for the back half of, of, of this past season. Lando Norris was really giving Max something to think about towards the end of the year. Oscar Piastri was excellent as a rookie as well. Um, so Burks had a couple of big flashpoints, like, like you could say like Spain, for example, and Mexico when Lewis finished second there. Um, but the way the way Merck's if you look back at Merck's overall 2023, they were probably the third best team on paper, but because they probably had the least amount of screw-ups they ended up second because Ferrari were awful first third of the year. Aston Martin didn't know how to make their quick car any faster and they got caught for it. And McLaren were awful until they had their upgrade package. So I think just be by being a consistent third, Merck's ended up yeah. second. In the, it's kind of weird how the maths played out in the end, but by being the least messy, they ended up, yeah. ended up second when they probably shouldn't have been. Yeah, Does that, that make sense? That, yeah, that makes perfect sense because I completely agree. And I don't know if it's post-traumatic stress disorder kicking in from when I was working at Red Bull and continuously getting <laughs> slapped about by the Mercedes. But th- there are definitely moments where you just sort of think, oh, like Mercedes are a bit under the radar. And then you check the standings and then they're second. You're like, oh, it's, it's, it's really odd. Like, I don't know. They just, they seem to just be there. 
And like you say, because they maintain it consistently while other teams have these weird sort of up and down moments, they they just do enough to sort of stay second or, or third or whatever. He's just like, oh, okay, yeah. Because I, I think part of that is because they didn't have any real headline moments. Like, what was the what was the biggest positive highlight of Mercedes season? I'd argue it was probably Lewis Hamilton's pole position in Hungary, where for yes. a split second we thought maybe there's hope. Maybe if if Hamilton gets a good start in Hungary because he's won there, I think seven or eight times in his career. He loves Hungary as a track. He's always gone well there. They thought maybe that will be the one. And he led that race for about 400 yards because his start was so bad and and it ended up just not having the car on race day. Um, that was Max's biggest beating of the year, as a matter of fact. So I, think he, I think he won that race by 33 seconds or something silly like that. Um, so you look back at it, I think, I think what you're saying makes sense, Dan. And I think part of that is just because they didn't have too many big headline moments. You got the Hamilton pole, you got the double podium in Spain, Maybe Hamilton's second in Mexico, you can probably chuck in there as well. But he didn't win a race. No. George, I think, only got on the podium twice. And the, the second time was in Abu Dhabi when the season was already over. Yeah. Um, I know they didn't, I know they didn't uh, win a race, mate, because I'm still sporting my beard. <laughs> the last time I shaved was Brazil 2022 when ah, George... Russell won. Yeah, won in Brazil because I made the bet. So there ah, you go. yes. yes the yes, only so- sort of negative press... I suppose, if you can call it that, in 2023 that Mercedes had was when uh, Lewis and George collided in Qatar, was it, at the start? Yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was kind of it one. really, wasn't it, like, in terms of negative sort of, or, or blow up, as it were. Well, there's, there's maybe a couple. I don't know the chat. Oh, um, the Austin um, disqualification, yeah, that's a good the Austin point. Austin DQ didn't know, because that was probably the closest that Merckx actually got to winning a race that year and then ended up counting for nothing because the car was illegal, um, which, you know, that sucks. Um, the the Qatar contact, that wasn't ideal. And just generally, probably the first third of the season when everybody kind of clocked and realized that, no, this zero sideboard concept is dead in the water. Um, because I think you, you ironically mentioned Brazil 2022, and that was obviously their last win with George and the last time you shaved. But that was that probably... It yeah. probably gave them false hope. Be- I think beautiful. they. It, it is a beautiful beard, um, but I think it also gave the team false hope. I think that's probably what convinced them that maybe there was still hope for their sidepod concept. Ah, oh, okay. Because I think they took that into twenty twenty three, and then they got to Bahrain, got completely smoked by Red Bull and then obviously Fernando Alonso getting that podium. Charles Leclerc would have been on that podium if it wasn't for his car failing. They were arguably the fourth best team off the back of Bahrain in the season opener. And I think that's when everybody realized, oh no, this car is still a dog. Yeah, I don't know how public knowledge this is. So if it's not, then here we go. A little engine braking exclusive. But I was told by someone that Towards the end of 2022 and the start of 23, they realized that their wind tunnel was giving them incorrect results and there was a correlation issue between what they got. I did hear got, a little bit about that. What they got George in the tunnel. About that. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay, all right. I didn't, wasn't sure if it was out there, but there was a difference. My dog is just headbutting me under the table. What do you want, pal? <laughs> Classic engine-breaking <laughs> chaos. Wonderful done? scenes. All right, thank you. Bye. 
just walked in and started headbutting me onto the table. Um, I think I'm going to like it here if, 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 if I come back every once in a while because uh, you just embrace chaos in here. It's fun. I've given up <laughs> trying to be professional, mate. It just doesn't work. It's either, it's either a dog barking in the background on this podcast or, or a child comes in and starts headbutting the microphone. Blake's cats would end up halfway draped across his keyboard and tried to close the stream and things like that it was it's just we and there's it. me trying to tell the family that i'm going to be on a pod don't interfere you know like you keep it down a little bit and then I'm, I'm trying to be extra prepared and extra cautious for this and while on your other half of the stream all hell is breaking loose i yeah. think that's quite funny actually yeah yeah someone says in the chat if i don't exemplify professionalism who does mate i don't know i don't know <laughs> I'm trying, Elias. I'm trying, I promise. It's, it's not through lack of trying. I, let, I promise you that. No, I, I think what you're saying about the wind tunnel does make sense because I think George talked about it a little bit in the first third of the season where their wind tunnel was telling them that this was going to work and then they actually put it on a track and they found out that it wasn't. Um, and they probably beat their heads together for a couple of months figuring out, well, is our wind tunnel just wrong? Is it not calibrated correctly? Because... It's clear it, it mucked up their development um, because, like I said, I think first chunk of the year, they were more likely to be the third or fourth best team in F1, let alone talking about challenging Red Bull. Because I think a lot of people, I know when I was at WTF1 to start off 2023, I had colleagues within us in that group thinking that they might win eight to ten races and might be a genuine contender for the title. And I tried to play it down. I I literally had one of my ten bold predictions for the season was literally Merck's win less than three, and I and it ended wow, up being zero. Bold. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought it was bold because everybody else seemed to think that Merck's were going to win like seven, eight, nine, ten races, and it turns out that they ended up. I, I thought I was being bold by saying they weren't going to win much. Turns out it was probably the other way around in hindsight, but that's twenty twenty, really, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and some people uh, in chat are pointing out that uh, Aston Martin used the wind tunnel, so where did their sort of pace just come from all oh. of a sudden? And no, very know. good point, chat, very good point. And so I will try to explain, I don't know, caveat, like, I will tell you, I don't know the answer, but I'll give an uh, educated guess from my experience is that Aston were using <clears throat> different equipment right? Different sensors when they're in the wind tunnel mm. and Aston's might be working, right? And Mercedes might not. And wind tunnels are really finicky things. So Red Bull had a correlation issue when I was working there, right? And it turned out to be the material of the belt that was running under the car. Something as ah. benign as that was throwing off all the results because when the car is in a wind tunnel, I don't know, you know, people might not know this, but the car isn't static it's actually on a rolling road because they need to simulate the tires turning yeah. right spinning and it was the belt that did that that was throwing off all the wind tunnel results so you can have really weird and random reasons why all your results can get thrown off so there you go it could, it could be something as little as that that can basically derail an entire season chunk yeah. of a season it's wild it is wild um so yeah like i said to, to to put a neat little bow on it i i there's no point in even speculating about toto wolf being replaced it's his team in all but name again i've, I've used that theme a lot with gunther earlier but like he literally owns a third and he's 
Mercedes head of motorsport. So he basically owns two thirds of the team. Um, so, yeah. you know, the, 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 it would be him stepping away would be the more likely scenario if he felt like he just couldn't do it anymore, if he wanted to do something else or whatever. Um, yeah, someone in the chat he, as well also threw this little nugget out there and it is a theory that I like to subscribe to as well. And it's that James mm-hmm. Vowles gets another three years at Williams before he takes over Toto's job at Mercedes. Wouldn't surprise me. I like that he's been theory. In that, I, I like that too. He's been in that, I mean, he's been in that Brackley setup since 2003. Like he, it was, it was BAR Honda when he started back there. He knows that entire institution, like the back of his hand. So if they wanted a long-term replacement for Toto, if he wants to step aside or move on whenever, you've got an eye. And, and given, given that Val so far has done an excellent job at Williams, he's proven that, yes, he can lead an F1 team as team principal. Why not in the long run? If, if Toto wants to move on or if he wants to sell up or whatever it may be, you, you could have an oven-ready replacement and just bring in James Vowles back home at a certain point mm. um so i i think it's a i think it's a very solid theory with a lot of a lot of juice behind it certainly yeah, i like that one mm. i like that one and uh on that note completely unrelated uh you know what time it is chat and listeners it's 2024 new year new me but guess what it's the same old nord vpn Yes, it's that time again for a word from our sponsors, NordVPN. You know them by now. It's a product that me and Blake have used long before this podcast was even a thing. And we are very thankful for their ongoing support to the podcast and for you listeners. If you're tired of being geo-blocked on Netflix and uh, things like that, then you need yourself NordVPN and you can get yourself an exclusive discount off your plan and four months for free all you got to do is go to nordvpn.com slash engine it's completely risk-free with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee so what are you doing come on they've been with us for nearly a year now if you haven't got it by now what are you waiting for so that's nordvpn.com slash engine thank you i need to update that because it's nearly been two years now that's, really? how, that's wow. how old that ad read is so yeah big, big <laughs> yourselves up nord and uh, we got some dates to be excited about, Dre. We got some F1 Ooh. cars being revealed soon. So yes, we do. At the yeah. time of recording, I'll run you through them. Who who we've got announced? Fifth uh, of February, Williams. Fifth uh, of February as well. Also, Stake F1. I'm calling them Sauber. I don't care what they call that team. No one's calling them Agreed. fucking Stake F1. Agreed. Seventh uh, of February, Alpine. Twelfth of February, Aston Martin. Thirteenth of February, Ferrari. 14th of February, Mercedes, and someone was saying 14th of February is also McLaren, but I haven't seen that officially announced, so I don't know what that's about or where that's come from. And mm. then the 15th of February is Red Bull. So I can guarantee you that nearly, what, 90% of those launches are going to be show cars with a livery slapped on them. Almost certainly, yeah. Um, that tends to be the pattern these days. I remember covering all of that that was my first like proper month at wtf1 last year was live streaming a bunch of car launches and and seeing what there was going to be revealed and we quickly cottoned on that it was going to be 
show cars or the previous year's cars with an updated livery. They run the shit for sponsors these days more than anything else and just to get a bit of social media clout. We saw McLaren do that today. I mean, hell, they wiped their own Instagram clean. Yeah, I saw that. If you noticed that, I didn't realize that they they wiped their entire Instagram feed or at least hid them um, to um, unveil their new whatever it takes marketing gimmick um for whatever comes next for them but yeah no real surprises here it's normally around valentine's day we start getting car reveals and things like that i'm surprised they've not all generally pulled it back a bit because this is as far as i can remember the earliest an f1 season has started that i can remember in my lifetime because i mean for those who don't know First day of actual track action in an official session is February 29th. Like, we are having... The, the season officially starts on a leap year, but also in February, which is just mind-boggling to me that we're going to have not only a February 29th start, but also a, a, the first two races on Saturday because of the because of trying to obviously respect Ramadan and trying to get those two races in beforehand. Oh, yeah, um, of course. But, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why the the first two rounds, Bahrain and Saudi Arabia, are both on Saturday because I believe Ramadan starts March tenth. Um, so they're trying to get those two races in to respect that religious um, religious ceremony, I suppose. I guess I'm not sure what the right word for that is, but yeah, I'm surprised they haven't actually pulled them a little bit earlier this year because the season starts so early. So they're all going to be just dropping these big presentations and probably getting the first flight out to Bahrain because I think the test is like a week later for a lot of these teams. Um, And I know that we're seeing things like, I think Williams are launching their car in New York this year. Um, So they're going to be doing that and then packing half the team out and getting the first flight to Bahrain. It's wild how how close we're leaving it this year. But it's that time of year again, Valentine's Day. You cuddle up with 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 your partner and you watch... And you start rating liveries, you start putting them in like a notebook, like, you, like you're watching Super Bowl adverts. Yes, <laughs> there one. is a show that I have bookmarked in everyone's calendar that we're going to do on this. We're going to do Fraud Watch of all the liveries. Ah. Yeah, I love the Scaratino in the chat says, yeah, Fraud Watch for the season. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we'll I'll, be getting I'll, that, I'll, I'll don't worry. I'll put that in the diary. (laughs) Certainly. But uh, no, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it is is a fun time of year. I mean, you start start seeing some liveries, see if anybody does anything radical. I think, if anything, last year was kind of the trend of the the wave of the uh, unpainted carbon, as I like to check. That was that was my first WTF one video. Was um oh my god like, like all this unpainted carbon to save weight. This is going to be a problem. So I wonder if there's going to be any patterns or trends this year. We'll have to wait and see. I, I know you mentioned the calendar as well. I can almost guarantee you, Hass will also pull their car out of nowhere early because that's what Hass do. Hass intend to they, they they deliberately have a policy to get their car out first. They. They want to be first in. Like last year, they just sent a press conference or a press release. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. The day be- yeah, the day before it happened, it was like, oh, here's an embargo, but here's our car. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay, damn. Um, <laughs> okay, everybody scramble. We're going to do a Twitch reveal for a car that we've all already seen, and we've got to pretend like we haven't seen it before. It was, it was, yeah, it'll be weird. But yeah, as Rory says in the chat, it'll literally just be a render on Twitter. But yeah, yeah, Haas's deliberate game plan, I know for a fact, is they will get their car out first. So expect that end of January is what I would say. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm super looking forward to everybody uh, clouding all of the team stake F1, whatever the fuck they're called, socials with just the word Sauber. Um, I'm, I'm here for that. Inevitable. I, I mean, the BBC has already said we have to call them Sauber because the, because they're government owned. They can't be endorsing a gambling company, so they've had to call it. They've they've had. To, I, I saw that um, Andrew Benson had to say that. Look, we're going to have to call them Sauber just to clarify with our yeah. audience because they they're a government they're a government branded um, or a government owned uh, company, so they can't promote a gambling site. So yeah, it's, uh, it's already gotten messy because the, 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 I know they're going to also be called kick. Um, In wherever, certain countries. Yeah. 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 The, the countries that have tighter gambling restrictions, which is a fair few. Um, I think it's going to be four or five or something like that. So they're going to be used because they've got the kick name on the chassis. I've, I've never seen a sponsored chassis in f1 history before which is just if it isn't tied down it can now be sponsored <laughs> it's like watching a ufc broadcast it was like he's leaving the he's, he's leaving the in and out burger tunnel as he heads towards the harley davidson prep point um yeah, everything is tied Hollywood down. corner we had in vegas or whatever the fuck it was i don't know <laughs> Yeah, 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 and yeah. Then, if it isn't tied down, it's sponsored. No, I and even that, if it isn't tied down, it's sponsored. It's it's, it's, it's wild. Uh, you know, the worst so. one, and the worst one, I have to hold my hands up is the one that uh, at Red Bull when they fell out with Renault and they just decided to give the naming rights of the engine to Tag Heuer, and they're like, "Oh, it's a Tag Heuer engine." <laughs> I mean, they made watches. No one believes this. Anyone with half a clue knows that's a fucking Renault engine, dude. Just, just slap any title sponsor on it. No one actually gives a shit. We all can see, we can see right through it. I mean, like I remember when it was Red Bull Infinity at one point. I remember when it was Red Bull Tag Heuer, when it was Red Bull Aston Martin, when Aston Martin wasn't making the power units yet. Red Bull got no problem just slapping another sponsor's name on that power unit and having done it. So that's what I did with 2026 after all as yeah. well. So, you know, yeah. we'll have to I, wait and see how much Ford are actually involved. But um, I know from first-hand experience how dirt cheap that deal was to get the Tag Heuer name on that Renault engine. Really? Anything to get rid of that Renault engine. That's how pissed off um, they were with Renault at the time. <laughs> Come on, Tag here. We'll give you an engine deal, like 90% off just for you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Oh, someone that in the works. chat's asking me how much I would charge to stick a sponsorship on my beard. It's a good question, actually. It's probably it's probably big mm. enough now, isn't it, to stick a sponsorship on it? I don't know. We'll have to come back to you on that one. As a former Red Bull man, I think there is no good reason why we couldn't have just a life-sized Ford badge at the bottom of your beard. It'd fit. For the right price, of course. It'd definitely fit. Absolutely, you got you got more than enough room to play with at this point. Certainly, <laughs> yeah, too right, too right. So, looking forward to the season. I've already given you my hot take, right? Where I said I reckon McLaren are going to win a race before Mercedes. Have you got any early, very early preseason sort of hot takes that you want to run with? It, it's hard because. There's not like there's been a massive regulation or rule change that's been put in. You know how the FIA gets down, where if a team runs the field over, they'll put some sort of minor regulation tweak in the hopes it brings them down to earth a little bit. It's happened to Mercedes before. It's happened to Red Bull in the past as well. We haven't had that this year. So it's kind of... 
it's kind of hard to be massively excited about the season because we all just saw what Red Bull and Max Verstappen just did. It was, for me, the most dominant season we've ever seen in Formula One. And let's not forget, they did that with a compromised development plan. They did that with a restricted wind tunnel and they didn't touch their car after the summer break, which is terrifying because it makes me wonder what the hell the rb20 is going to look like uh well uh, if, if, if it rolls off the testing line in bahrain and it's anywhere near, near decent it will win it will roll people over again and i'm not sure if the audience is going to be able to cope with that for two years in a row no, um, well arguably- jake dennis the red bull racing sim and development driver has already been in the media isn't he and said basically strap yourselves in for another domination oh god I know he would say that as Red Bull development driver and, you know, he, he drives the sim, so he knows a bit, a bit more than the rest of us do. But that's it's what I find intriguing about 2024 is going to be that upper midfield battle. And I, and I know a lot of people are not going to be here for anything outside of a title fight, which is understandable. It's sports. That's how it works. You know, you care most about who's winning. But that second through fifth potential dogfight between Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren, and maybe Aston Martin, I think that's going to be fascinating. I thought that was one of the better and more fun storylines of 2023. I felt like seeing that back and forth, because if you look at 2023, Aston Martin started out super hot. Mercedes started to get a foundation going towards the middle of the year. McLaren exploded in the second half of the season. One of the best in-season turnarounds I've ever seen in F1. Now McLaren went from, I want to say it was 17 points in the first eight rounds to 300 by the end of the year. Um, I've never seen anything like that in F1. Um, And then you had Ferrari, who started out terribly, but then got a lot stronger as the year went on. There's some, obviously, some of the very best drivers in the world that are going to be in that dogfight as well. You've got Fernando, you've got Charles Leclerc in there, Hamilton's in there. We know Russell can probably be a bit better than what he was last season. I think that's going to be the the real fascinating fight. I, 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 I've got a bad feeling Red Bull is going to come close to running the table. Sorry to disappoint you, Chad, if you were hoping for me, for me to come out with a hot take and say, oh, yeah, yeah, don't, don't worry. Uh, you know, Mercedes will win the first four races of the year. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to lie to you. I have too much respect for you. But I do think that second through fifth fight is going to be very intriguing. And Tasty. I'm very, very curious to see how that turns out week to week because it was a bloodbath last season between those four teams. And I think that could be a lot of fun. The problem yeah. is that it's not a title fight and people are going to get pissy about that because it's not a fight for the title, which is, again, like I said, I understand... You know, we want a title fight. We want, I think, low-key, as much as it ended ugly, I think a lot of people secretly want 2021 to happen again. Maybe not the way it ended, but certainly the the blood feud that it ended up becoming. Between, was, you know, you easily... Know, you, you were in, you, how was it for you? Because you were oh, in the thick of that when it was God. when it was happening. Most stressful time of my life, mate. I tell you. Oh, God. I've got to imagine. So much so that it was at the end of the season, I was like, yeah, I'm done, mate. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> You know, Michael Massey has gifted me my championship. I'm out. I don't care how I've got it. I'll take it. Thank you. Engineers get rings too. Yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah. American I've got a championship bonus, mate. That's, that'll do for me. 
That'll do for me. But I'm I'm very interested to see that if McLaren and Mercedes are both built good cars, and I think it's too much to ask for them to be in contention for the championship, but if they've got cars that are frequently on the podium or can fight for the podium, I really want to see the teammate dynamic play out between Lewis and George and mm. Lando and Oscar. And, you know, I think George and Lewis has got the potential to become Nico 2.0. Um, Oscar and Lando, I think, I'm not so sure. I think, I don't know, I don't think Lando's got that dog in him. And I think Oscar's too nice. Yeah, I, I think the Hamilton-Russell one is interesting because the first year they were together, they were very, very close. I know Hamilton gave up a lot of his development to try and fix the porpoise in that they had in 2022. Um, so I think George winning, I think I think he was 35 points ahead at the end of that season. I think it might have been a slightly inflated count. Um, I know Hamilton was pretty unlucky that year, but overall, I think on raw speed, Hamilton and George are very, very close. Um, I think George was a bit sloppy in race. I think he tried a bit too hard last season. If he gets a setup that George likes, I think it could be a very fascinating fight between him and Hamilton because George, racecraft-wise, he gives no quarter. And look, I love Hamilton as much as the next guy. He's not perfect when it comes to his racecraft. He has had sloppy moments he had a couple this year Qatar's worth a mention Piastri and Monza was on him you know Lewis isn't you know he's he's human you know he, he does make the odd mistake here and there um I think that could be a fascinating matchup um I agree as well with what you're saying I mean the McLaren one is interesting because like Lando Norris is fantastic but Oscar Piastri's raw speed is insane like I, I cannot remember someone walking to an F1 seat, especially McLaren, which broke Daniel Ricciardo. We all know how good Ricciardo has, has been in his F1 career. Piastri walked in and he's got pace that really isn't far behind Lando in terms of ultimate speed. I think Piastri still needs a little bit of work. I think he's a little bit rough around the edges. I think he still needs to work on things like his tire management and his pace in like the back half of races. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit of a stamina problem. But for raw pace, I think Piastri is also very close to Norris. And Norris has admitted that Piastri pushes him, which is fun. And, and, and I like that. It's a good dynamic. I also agree. I think they're both too nice. I think Norris can be a bit picky sometimes, but Piastri is just such a nice boy. <laughs> he he yeah. goes against every... As, as an English cricket fan, he goes against every... <laughs> stereotype i want to say about australians because he's just a disgustingly nice boy um i can't i can't say shit about him in the sense of he's just a really nice lad and i just don't think he's the sort of person that would publicly talk about beef with his teammate or talk about trying to beat him all that much or anything like that he just doesn't seem like he's that kind of guy and i've got no problem with that that's completely understandable if that's his character that's his character but I think that could also be a very fun fight with Piastri getting a second season to have a proper crack at Lando, potentially. There's some, there's some good matchups yeah. in that side. Of, I mean, we've not even talked about Ferrari. I think Leclerc is a little bit better than Carlos Sainz, but again, I don't think Sainz is like a million miles behind him either. So some of those teammate fights could be very tasty. 
certainly yeah. one to keep an eye on. The problem with Ferrari, though, is that we could have a really good intra-team fight at Ferrari, but they'd find a way to completely balls it up. <laughs> right? And, and, that, and that, takes, that becomes the headline stealer. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will, again, big up their uh, decision they did it. Was it Monza? Where they basically let them fight it out towards the end of the race. I was like, I respect that, Fred. I respect that. You let them fight it out. I respect that. I have time for Fred Vassar. I have time for Fred. I I I I like Fred a lot. I liked him when he was at Sauber, um, and trying to make the most out of not an awful lot he had to play with over there. I'm I'm glad that you know Ferrari seemed to steady the ship a little bit towards the end of last year. Because I I look, I have a soft spot for Ferrari. I openly admit I always have, and I like Fred, and I I want him to do well over there because. I want Ferrari. Like F one is just more fun when Ferrari are winning and when Ferrari are doing well. It's it's always it gets people it gets people going. It's like that meme. It was like the it's, it's provocative. provocative. <laughs> gets the people going. <laughs> gets the people going. Like it's F one is more fun when Ferrari is good. And I like Fred, and I like the fact he let his drivers fight because that would not happen at Ferrari for many a year. They they are the most blatant one two driver policy for many, many years. And it was Schumacher when it was Vettel to a degree, when it was Alonso to a degree, they've, they've got a clear hierarchy. So they wouldn't let their drivers fight very often. So the fact that they had no problem having signs in the clear fight out, and you could tell signs was desperate for that podium. He, he probably would have been clapped for a penalty if it wasn't for the fact that F1 generally turns a blind eye towards their teammates, towards teammate beef. They just tend to just let that slide. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah. Australia for that one. So, um, but it, it, it's a lot more fun when either Ferrari are good or when Ferrari are terrible. No in between. So I kind of want them to do well because it will be, it will get people going. I, I know it will. It will be a lot of fun if Ferrari are actually good. I just want Ferrari to do well because of the long-suffering Tifosi who I have in my DMs all the time. And they're just like, Dan, please, we need a win. We need something. And I'm like, it's, at first, I was like, sort of laughed about it and made jokes at their expense. But, you know, after a while, it's just like, I actually do feel sorry for them. I see where they're coming from. Just mm. just give them something, please. They're, they're dedicated. They're always passionate. They're always there. Please just give them something. Well, they got they got the one win in Singapore. That's a little something, you know. It was it, uh, it, yeah. that was that was that was Red Bull's comfortably worst weekend of the year. I think they were a bit too cautious going into going into that weekend of where their floor was at. But we're we're not here for Ferrari to win one race a year. We're not here for for that. We like it's it's it, like I said, it's it's a lot more fun when they when I would love for any team to just. Do do enough to give people some hope for 2025. If a team wins four or five races, that would be ideal for me. Like if, if McLaren got four or five wins, or or between like the the midfield or the upper midfield posse, if we can get five or six wins between them on the year, and just have teams that can beat Red Bull if they screw up or make a minor mistake, or just have them in contention and force them to drive a perfect weekend in order to win a Grand Prix. I'd be more than fine with that. Because like I said to the chat, I can't lie and pretend like I've got like a string of bold predictions because I'd be really struggling without talking like a complete idiot to come up with bold predictions. So I'm trying to be semi-realistic and say, look, if a team, if a team wins four or five races, 
I will bite your arm off for that because that that would it would give some hope. It would it would be like okay, this team's made significant gains. Let's see if they've got something here. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Someone in the chat is asking me how do I think the uh, Renault slash Alpine six thousand race project is going. I think it's going to turn into a six million race project in that team. I've never known a team achieve so little with so much. <laughs> like I know Gene Haas wants to sort. You know, he's talking about oh, we didn't achieve anything with the resources we got. Go look at Alpine, mate. That that's that's where that comment rings true. Um, our Motorsport 101 quote of the year almost was when Otmar Zafnauer was let go from that team mid-season and he said, you can't get nine women pregnant and expect to get a baby within a month. That was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> no, And look, I, I don't blame Otmar. Like, I, I completely get what you're saying. Like Alpine is a team that frustrates me massively because they should be so much better than what they are. And again, that was a team that had hope going into this season. They had genuinely beaten McLaren in 2022 um, as the number four team in F1. And we thought, oh, okay, they've got, they, they, okay, they've lost Fernando. That's that's a shame, but they've got Gasly coming in. Ocon's been a really solid driver for many years. If they have a good car, they might be able to cook something here. Maybe get a couple of podiums here and there. And to be fair, they did get a couple of podiums last season, but it was there were bright spots in a sea of mediocrity. The only thing As I the- trust that team to cook is the engines, mate. <laughs> That's all I trust. That's all I trust them to I do. The, I love it in the chat. Rory says Dan really wants that team to go bankrupt. And yeah, I, I, I get that vibe. I, I get that vibe. Oh, it's, it, it I don't. Sense. I don't want to see him go bankrupt because it means a lot of honest, no, innocent people lose their jobs, right? But. But if the name Renault and Alpine disappeared and everyone get to save their jobs, I'd be happy, right? It's a team that has been very messy for many, many years. Like I, I again, I was part of WTF when I got to write about it, and I distinctively remember when Alan Permain and, and Otmar was um, <clears throat> mutually parted ways after Belgium, and I distinctively remember just how many key figures they had lost in the previous two years. Like Pat Fry had gone to Williams, um, Prost had left as non-executive chairman and uh, Prost, Prost scorched them. I remember he came yeah. out and said that the, the Laurent Rossi, who was their former CEO who's been moved in or, or some other department within, within Renault was told that he was like a walking personification of the Dunning-Kruger effect. I almost pissed myself laughing when I read that. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, straight I, I, savage. I couldn't believe what I, yeah, like, like they've had four different team bosses in the last three years. I, like, remember when Marcin Budkowski was this team's team principal? That was like two years ago. Mate, I've, I've, <laughs> I've forgotten the amount of staff they go through. It's, it's a pop quiz answer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In, in a few years' time, someone's going to ask me that in an F1 quiz and I'm not going to get it, but... But, uh, a chat <laughs> rightly reminding me as well that um, Alan Permain apparently is reportedly set to rejoin the F1 fold by going to Alpha Tauri. And uh, why would spot for him? No, no, no. He's highly regarded as well by um, mm. Christian Horner. But uh, I'm going to say for my chaotic prediction, which I forgot to mention earlier, is that when all the podiums for the first few races are taken up by Red Bulls and Alpha Tauris. They are never going to beat the four car allegations. No. I'm looking then, forward to that then, chaos if that happens. Oh boy. 
it's again it's like again let's be honest here a lot of this is the red bull mercedes blood feud stemming from 2021 pissing contest that goes on on social media platforms um because this has been a thing in f1 for almost 20 years now um why is it an issue now um you know it's i think people were very quick to use that as a stick to beat people up with i think it was over i think it was because of wolf garzy let's let's be frank it was over the the susie wolf and the allegations of a conflict of interest which a quick response to that is to be motorsport is built on a healthy foundation of conflicts of interest first and foremost people move between the fia and teams and vice versa people move from paddock to paddock insider information gets swapped around all the time it's an inevitable part of the closed shop business that motorsport often is um and that was all bollocks as far as i'm concerned and in like i've said it i said it during the DQs when Austin came around last season with Ferrari and Mercedes and why didn't they check more cars? And I've always said to people, well, motorsport operates on the premise of good faith. Because if it didn't, we'd be stripping down every car to the bare bones the moment they crossed the finish line. And unfortunately, you don't. The mere threat of being disqualified is often enough for teams not to break the rules. And it's the same principle here. Red Bull and Alpha Tauri are, yes, they are owned by the same parent company, but they are run completely separately with separate management structures and systems. And as long as inside information isn't being swapped between them, then they can coexist without an issue. I get why people are going to be like, oh, well, why couldn't they own two teams? But again, you operate on good faith. You assume that these the two parties are not mixing because if, if there was, then of course there'd be a massive problem. But we in F1 are cynical. We, I think we like seeing good teams taken down a peg because we don't like dominance. And when Red Bull are dominating, and let's be honest, they're not the most popular team in the court of public opinion for understandable reasons, given how they've gone down the last couple of years. You know, it's people are going to be cynical and they're going to go, oh, well, you guys have got two teams. That's unfair. Um, you know, so it's... You're right. They're, they're like they are never going to beat that. Now that that's going to become like one of their new sticks to beat them with because they haven't got much else we yeah. can really criticize about them now because they were so good last year, so dominant operationally. They were they were magnificent as well. Best pit crew, brilliant strategy department. Car was fast as hell. You know, Max was 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 brilliant. It's the nature of the game. We're going to look for shit to beat them with. Yeah. That's, like that's how sport years, goes down. The six years I worked at Red Bull, I barely ever spoke to anyone at Alpha Tauri or Toro Rosso as it was back then. And any time I did, they all spoke Italian and not a single one of them spoke English. So good luck with sharing data there. Because no one, <laughs> everyone in England's too fucking ignorant to learn a different language, mate. So all the, all the information is getting shared through Google Translate, which is probably why it's gone wrong for Alpha Tauri, right? <laughs> that's, Google, Google and, Translate and, 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 fucked it up. And even AlphaTauri's team is split because they've got they're using Red Bull's wind tunnel facilities back in England, but they've still got half their team in Italy still. So, like they have similar problems to Haas. Now, if Red Bull really wanted to go down the road of yeah, we're going to have two teams and give them both the best chance of success, they'd have gone out of their way to better facilitate AlphaTauri by now. Remember, remember, this is the same Red Bull that was thinking about selling this team this time last year. That was when it was right around the Bahrain test where the rumors started dropping that AlphaTauri was in a, well, 
either move the team or sell kind of mode because obviously this was this was life after D trick. Um, so yeah, it's. It's it's messy, and I love that Joe in the chat and uh, went, went could be worse, could mess up metric and imperial. I wonder which company would do that, <clears throat> papaya. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's classic. It, pe- people will look for reasons to dunk on people that they that are winning. That's that's how sports is. I mean, look at Man City and their 115 allegations of financial penalties that have come around. Like they are the best football team in the world and have been for like probably the last two or three years people start making noise when you win um that's that's how sports is there's no getting around that so the course of noise is going to be that much louder when when she hits the fan it does and speaking of uh shit hitting the fan dre we're going to wrap it up there for this week my friend and we've done a solid job of about an hour and 10 minutes there so thank you very much listeners for hanging around with us uh, quick updates on what's happening with engine braking. We will have a interview with Rob Smedley that we, me and Tomo pre-recorded last week. So that will drop on the Friday. Nice. And then we will probably do a stream around car launches and slagging off the ones that we don't like because it's very easy to do from our marches, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so Dre, if people want to uh, follow you, see what you're up to, what you're what you're doing, how can people do that, mate? Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. Um, if you like the cut of my jib and you want to hear more of me, or if you're a fan, of maybe some, uh, maybe an other motorsport series. If you're an, if you're a MotoGP fan, if you're an IndyCar fan, if you're a uh, Formula E fan, for example, um, I. I host the Motorsport 101 podcast. We cover all of those series and sports cars as well over on there. So just uh, you can look for the uh, Twitter account for Motorsport 101 at motorsport101.com. That's our website, as well as our Twitter account or X account or whatever Elon Musk's failed investment is um, at motorsport underscore 101. If you want to follow me personally, you can um, on Twitter at Dre Harrison 101. Same on Instagram, and all, all the stuff will be will be will be shared out on there. Um, um, once again, thank you for having me, Dan. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge pleasure. I had a lot of fun recording this, and thanks to the engine braking community for being so kind in the chat. I do really appreciate it. Um, anytime, and if you, if, if you want me back on any time, Dan, just 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 shoot me a message. I'll happily come back. It's, it's been a lot of fun. No worries, mate. I appreciate you taking the time out. And as well, we did try to record this twice, but uh, I my real life job has been absolutely hectic at the minute. So today was the only day I managed to get free. So I appreciate you jumping on there and helping us out. And, uh, yeah. No worries, man. So chat, thank you very much. Give yourselves the first toot toots of 2024. And, uh, we shall see you very soon. <laughs>